Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Uh, time to look at, uh, speaking of South Korea, other parts of the world, Jonathan de Butler joins us once again. Afternoon, Sean, Jonathan. how are you? Uh, right, Romania uh, we're going to go to first. And uh, a number of doctors have been charged... This is a very strange one. Uh, what, what exactly have they been charged with, Jonathan? Yeah, so this is, is a, a main doctor and, and his, uh, well, a team that he put together, I suppose, four other medics. The, the main guy is a man by the name of Dan Tesloyanu. He's a 52-year-old cardiologist, probably soon to be ex-cardiologist. And he was working at a hospital in um, the northeastern city of Yash, okay? And... He was arrested on charges of illegally harvesting hundreds of pacemakers and defibrillators from corpses and then re-implanting them into patients over a five-year period. Now, it ran from... Uh, 2017 until August of last year and uh, eventually he's been caught but not before he had done this on 238 people apparently. Uh, It's quite uh, quite shocking to be honest with you. So, you know, um, apparently what he did was himself and these four other medics they would find sick patients and uh, remove the cardiac implants after they died, right? Mm, that was yeah. without their consent and without the consent of families. Now, the logistics around that, I don't know how they did it, but obviously it was in some sort of post-mortem procedure. And uh, then they would, even more shockingly, sometimes they would make up um, diagnosis a diagnosis for a patient. So th- so imagine you'd come along and say, oh, my chest is a bit sore. And they'd say, oh, well, we'll give you this medication and that'll, you know, get your heart rate back up again. And they'd give them medication that would actually slow the heart rate down. So these people had nothing wrong with them. They'd go in, mm. then they'd come back and say, this medication isn't working. And they'd say, oh, well, maybe you need a pacemaker. Right, they'd, okay. They'd implant the pacemaker into perfectly healthy people or people who had been perfectly healthy before they engaged uh, Dr. Dan Tesloyanu. So, um, yeah, it's it's come as a bit of a shock, as you can imagine, to people in Romania. And was he doing this for money, I assume? So, yeah, I mean, who would normally play for these kind of transplants in Romania? Is it all private? No, it's not. It's, it's actually paid for through the health ministry, the national, uh, their insurer is called the National Health House, right? So they, they pay for it. But sometimes patients ended up paying for it up front and then they'd get it reimbursed yes, and they get I it see. back. Yeah. And so I imagine that might have been one of the ways that they were actually caught. And, and they were charging between two and three grand per device uh, and and for the procedure to, to go ahead as well. Um, I don't know how much work is involved in putting a pacemaker in, to be honest with you, but I imagine it's it's a fair bit of labour. And the people who had them in, in, inserted into them, have they, have they suffered ill effects? If that's not a completely stupid so question. officially, um, uh, we don't know if anybody has, any of these patients have died, but there is a website that has said that two of the patients that were operated on were, uh, have, have passed away. Um, it might well be the case, again, I, I, again, I don't know how they were caught specifically, but yeah. we do know that some patients had infections and they had to go back in and get, you know, procedures done again. Um, so they obviously didn't cover their tracks particularly well, uh, although... Said, that said, they, they did get away with it for the guts of five years, which because is quite I, extraordinary. Yeah, I suppose it's it's the last thing. It's it's so bizarre you wouldn't even think about yeah, it. Absolutely, really, yeah, yeah, as well it is. So, what stage is is the trial at? And and uh, are these people? pleading guilty or, so, or what's the situation? No, he's, he's actually appealing. His lawyer insisted that he's saved lives and uh, they were sent to a court. Now, the main guy certainly was, I don't know about the other four, but the main guy was certainly sent, went to a hearing 
last week, I think, and he was detained for 30 days, which his lawyer is, is appealing. But he's been he's been arrested, charged, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. Right. OK. OK, uh, Seattle, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, the, the, the first city in the US to ban caste discrimination. Yes. Uh, normally, when we talk about this thing, we think of India yeah. uh, or Southeast Asia. There's other countries outside of India, like Nepal and Bangladesh, Sri Lanka and the likes that have a caste system as well. But we don't necessarily think of uh, Seattle. But I, I, was th- I was trying to think about it. Uh, what kind of a comparison would you have? And I suppose you've got like FGM, for example, in the UK, where mm, yeah. these sort of um, uh, outside cultural traits come into a country. And, you know, even though they stay within a minority, uh, you know, they come under the umbrella of, of the law. And, and that's what they're doing in Seattle. So it's it, attention, I suppose, is, is being brought to it now. And uh, the Seattle City Council have decided to bring in a law that will protect uh, people who might suffer discrimination because of this. So it prohibits caste discrimination effectively. And it's the first place to do it in the US. Okay, and uh, and lovely as it is, is there a problem with caste discrimination in Seattle? And and how will they actually police this? Okay, so basically what they're saying is that, uh, well, Seattle has a large number of South Asians due to the tech uh, industry there and that kind of thing. So there is obviously a a, a growing presence of the phenomenon in in a way. I know there's a case in the United States at the moment, but it's actually in California where uh, a guy who was an engineer who was working for Cisco Systems is actually bringing a case against that company because he feels that he was left out of meetings and he was passed over for promotions and that kind of thing. Mm. So that might be a test case in California, although they won't be able to bring this this new caste law, obviously, because it doesn't exist there, uh, into that particular case. So it was was, uh, promoted by people who obviously had skin in the game in Seattle and yes. they brought this to the council and they've approved this or an, an ordinance or this new law um, so there must be some kind of prevalence of it uh, mm. in, in Seattle uh, Did anyone oppose it or object to it? There was quite a few actually there was a, a petition or at least a letter that went into the council at the beginning uh, of about a hundred organisations um, Coalition of Hindus of North America the Hindu American Foundation and I had a look through it it was a fairly lengthy document but there was one bit of it that stood out to me and they had a bit of a point here where they said that the law singles out South Asians as a group that discriminates more than any other and mm. thus requires special monitoring they have a bit of a point there, uh, I think. Um, but uh, for all that, uh, the ordinance passed by six to one in the council. Right. Uh, Zimbabwe, we're going to go to next, where uh, Robert Mugabe's son uh, is in trouble. What's he been up to? This is Robert Mugabe Jr., who's a 31-year-old. He is one of three children that Mugabe had with his secretary, then second wife, Grace, who was called Gucci Grace, um, for obvious reasons. She liked to spend quite a bit of money. And by all accounts, her sons have carried on that sort of uh, particular trait. Um, so the, he's, I think he's the eldest son and he was arrested for allegedly causing damage worth about $12 million to cars and other property at a party that he attended in an upmarket neighbourhood of Harare. 
Um, I had a look at this uh, online to see was there any news around it and he was arrested on the Sunday. He spent the night in the slammer and he appeared in court on the Monday, right? And the judge basically said, right, we're going to keep the charges against you but we think that you can probably go and sort this out with your friend. And his lawyers were interviewed outside. They had big smiles on their faces and they said, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, 12 grand's worth of a misunderstanding <laughs> between two people who were clearly, you know, off their head and got into a bit of a fight. And this is how Robert Mugabe tried to deal with it. But it's interesting because they haven't gone away, right? So Robert Sr. is obviously dead since 2017, mm. but the Mugabe family are still big and are still quite influential, even when they try not to be, because they've kind of tried to stay out of the right, way in many okay. respects when they try not to be. They're relatively influential in uh, in Zimbabwe. And um, at the moment, we know that Emerson Manangagwa, who's the, who's the new president, he took over from mm. Mugabe, is trying to harness the image of Mugabe as liberator yes, uh, for the yeah. benefit of his own party. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. They're still around, still causing a bit of problems and... Uh It'll be a while before they go away and are out of the mind of Zimbabweans forever. Yeah, well, I think. But it's interesting they still have some political heft within mm. the country, given, you know, that there isn't a perception that, you know, where's all the money gone kind uh, of uh, thing. The, the billion dollars yeah, worth of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is intriguing. Uh, right, uh, Tanzania we're going to go to next where uh, they're, they're battling filth and dirt and depravity. Oh, it's terrible stuff altogether. Yeah, this is uh, traders in Zanzibar specifically. So Zanzibar, even though we think of it as one island, it, it is made up of actually quite a few, but the main yeah. island is called uh, Unguja. Uh, it's more commonly known as Zanzibar, but it's called Nguja. And a population of about 2 million people there, right? And it has become increasingly conservative over the last 20, 20, 20 or 25 years, right? N- namely because there's money coming in um, from the Gulf and going into schools and various right. different places okay. like that. And the same story in many countries in that part of the world. And so the influence is beginning to, to creep up. So in this particular case, uh, a directive has been take, has been handed down by Rashid Masaraka, who's the head of this particular island. And he said that he wants shop owners to cover up mannequins. Scantily clad mannequins are no longer allowed to be displayed um, because mm. they are detrimental to the uh, people of Zanzibar. Uh, did he give a definition of what he means by scantily clad? Not quite, uh, to be honest with you. And he did say that they could still be kept inside. Um, but I assume, you know, a lot of tourists go to Zanzibar and the like, so they might be yeah. displaying bikinis and things like that. Right, but yeah. he said that he has received complaints from people who are concerned about the psychological effects, particularly on school children and the like. So uh, you can see where he's coming from. I'm sure you know yourself. Yeah, awkwardly to Half-naked man. Uh, right, OK. So someone earlier on did, did uh, when we were talking about sleep, did say that in South Korea... Uh, it's routinely the case where workers are allowed to have a 20-minute nap uh, in the afternoon. It doesn't seem to be doing much for their sperm count, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't show an interesting, interesting segue there. Uh, but, <laughs> no, it's not at all. Uh, South Korea is in what they're calling a demographic crisis at the moment. Um, they released figures last week on Wednesday, I believe it was, and they showed that only 250,000 babies had been born in 2022. That's a fall of 4.4% from the previous year. Right now, if we think about stories that we've covered like this before, where we talk about Japan and even Spain in some Mm. cases, you're looking at, 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 at seriously low figures. But a South Korean woman can now expect to have 0.78 children in her lifetime. 
My less word. than one. Yeah. It's the only country in the world where you can expect to have less than one child. And um, they're en route to a massive population decline if they keep going this way. They're at 52 million at the moment. If they keep going, by 2070, they'll be down to 34 million. So it's quite drastic. And are there any particular reasons for this? There's a good few reasons. And a lot of them will resonate with people of childbearing age here, I think, right? The high cost of raising children. Um, There's an economic slowdown there in South Korea at the moment. So job prospects aren't great either. Rising real estate prices, that's a little sound mm. familiar to a lot of people here as well. But there's also a factor that women are sort of saying they're just not into getting married anymore and having children. They like their independence uh, and that's reflected in the age that women are chi- having children at as well. So the average is now 33 and a half that women are having children at. And uh, yeah, so there's a yeah. couple couple of policies being drafted by the government there to try and encourage people to have children, but they haven't really worked in Japan and they're unlikely to work anytime soon in South Korea. Uh, so does that mean there's also a, a potential problem with with, with a, a labour shortage too? Labour shortage and pension problems as well, yeah, uh, which, is, which we've seen in other places as well. So in order to deal with that labour shor- shortage, this new government is talking about, you know, bringing in migrant labourers to tackle not just the labour shortage, but the population prob- decline and that sort of idea is being opposed by many people in South Korea. So, All right. What should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, the I did talk last week about the Nigerian elections. They happened over the weekend. There's no conclusive results yet, so that's why I haven't mentioned it. So okay. we might get to yeah. it next week. But there's a lot going on around that. Uh, it's been mired in controversy, to be honest with you. Friday, Olaf Schulz is off to Washington to meet uh, Joe Biden. And then Sunday, there'll be parliamentary elections in Estonia on the same day that Russia marks the 70th anniversary hmm. of the death of Joseph Stalin, a man who is being rehabilitated somewhat in Russia. Uh, Plus also a very interesting election in in Estonia at the moment. Jonathan, thanks a million for coming in to us. Jonathan uh, de Burka Butler there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.